Shabbat Shalom. Yesterday when I was leading Morning Gratitude, a message popped up on my screen from a colleague of mine in New Jersey. It read, holy moly, what on earth do we do this week? Jacob and Esau, Ovadia, and the rape of Dina. It's a nightmare to find anything uplifting here. Heading into meetings, but around after 11, if you are. I laughed and my stomach sank just a little bit. I would go on to spend a few hours thinking about what to do because I knew that today was a bar mitzvah and that there would be many teenagers here. But I also knew that I had to speak about what happened to Dina. I choose to talk about the rape of Dina because in many ways, it also is connected to what's happening in our world. On October 7th, we all know the extent of the tragedy and trauma that came upon our people. One of the things that we are not necessarily talking about, though, is what happened at the Nova Music Festival and also as a part of the massacre that when Hamas terrorists committed the unspeakable atrocities and the numerous witnesses have testified afterwards, that sexual violence was widespread among them. People who were at the festival have since reported that they bore witness to these atrocities. They said that they saw their friends and fellow festival goers being raped and then murdered. They said that they saw young women who were on the grounds of Nova with obvious signs of sexual violence. Others were violated in their homes, in their kibbutzim when they were attacked. Others still were violated in the streets and others still in Gaza. Some were raped before they were murdered, others afterwards. Last week, many of you know, I had the opportunity to go for just a few days to Israel. When I was there, we had the opportunity to meet with a prominent government official who shared with us that even in Israel, people are talking about the murders and they are talking about the executions. They are talking about the kidnappings. They are talking about the destructions, but that very few people are talking about the rapes and the sexual violence that was connected to October 7th. They shared it's just too hard. It's too hard to speak of. It's too, too hard to even imagine that something like this could and did happen in our own land. So today I want to help break the silence because the Hamas terrorists are flat out denying that these atrocities even occurred. They are saying that it couldn't have happened. It goes against Islamic law, they say. Even worse, others are actually believing their denials and lies. And still worse, some, especially on TikTok and Instagram, have suggested that these women, mothers, daughters, sisters, and wives, deserved it. The truth is that we all know better than this. 
And we cannot and we must not ignore the stories that these bodies are telling us about how these women spent the last moments of their lives, even though the silence on these war crimes is deafening. Sexual violence has unfortunately been a part of armed conflict for thousands of years. It is used to humiliate and to degrade individuals and broader communities. Sheryl Sandberg, she spoke about this recently, as did Sheryl Katz. They both said, throughout history, women's bodies were considered part of the destruction and the spoils of war. Sexual violence was widely viewed as an inevitable byproduct of conflict rather than a grave offense. But a breakthrough came, thank God. 30 years ago, a breakthrough came when the wars in the former Yugoslavia, Rwanda, Sierra Leone, and the Democratic Republic of the Congo saw the devastation and deliberate use of mass sexual violence. And guess what happened? It evoked a loud response from global women's organizations and human rights activists around the world. Suddenly, people were yelling in horror and fighting for change. And they got it. In 1993, the United Nations Security Council created the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia with an unprecedented commitment to persecute rape as a crime against humanity, along with other war crimes. Since then, the United States leaders on both sides of the aisle, especially women, <clears throat> have taken a strong stand against using rape as a tactic of war. In 1995, then First Lady Hillary Rodham Clinton traveled to China and she gave what would become a famous speech, what she said many of us know, women's rights are human rights. She insisted, it is a violation of human rights when thousands of women are subjected to rape as a tactic or prize of war. In 1999, Dr. Dennis Mukwege opened a hospital in the Democratic Republic of Congo. In that hospital, he cared for more than 50,000 survivors of sexual violence. He won the Nobel Peace Prize for his work. And what he said loudly and publicly is, I call on the world to be a witness, and I urge you to join us to put an end to the suffering that shames. In 2008, the United Nations Security Council declared officially, rape is a war crime. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice stated, rape is a crime that can never be condoned. And guess what? The world agreed. In 2017, Antolina Jolie, a special envoy to the UN, urged the United Nations to do more to prevent and to punish sexual violence during war. She explained, and I quote, sexual violence is cheaper than a bullet, and it has lasting consequences that unfold with sickening predictability that make it so 
cruelly effective. The world again agreed. <clears throat> so why, I ask today, why is everyone so darn quiet? Where are all of the voices of condemnation? Where are all of the organizations standing behind the very things that they've hollered out for decades? Why this time around, when it comes to condemning the rapes of October 7th and a massive step backward for women and for all humankind, why all of a sudden is the silence deafening? Meredith Jacobs, who runs the Jewish Women's International Organization, <coughs> she wrote about the deafening silence. She shared that she was on a Zoom call recently with other leaders of major Jewish women's rights organizations. The coordinator happened to also be Jewish. And the coordinator began the call by asking for a moment to recognize the horrific terrorist attack that had just occurred in Israel. She asked those who were gathered to think about their Jewish colleagues and the pain that they were in. Her comments, again, met with silence. Had the very same terrorist attack happened to any other group or any other people, the Zoom chat she shared would have been filled with messages of sympathy, shared pain, offers to stand together to help amplify messages. But none of that happened this time. Meredith said there were no heart reactions appearing on the squares of those with whom she had sat in coalition and in sisterhood for so many years. There were no messages of support or care that came through on this chat. She shared, I received no private messages asking if I or we were okay. So finally, she said, I wrote thank you in the chat. And that was the last time I would participate in such a call. I thought the silence was bad enough, but what happened after the silence was potentially even worse, because that was denial. Many women's rights organizations are going out of their way to deny the horrific violence done to Jewish women. A rape crisis center in Canada, at Canada's University of Alberta earlier this month, signed a letter expressly saying that calling Hamas terrorists is Islamophobia and denying that Israeli women were raped by Hamas. That was a letter written by a rape crisis center. And it was undermining the two foundational principles of sexual violence work, which are one, believe women, and two, never blame the victims. Where is Angelina Jolie now that crimes have been committed against Israeli women and children? Where is the UN? Where is the United Nations Committee on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women? They have all failed to immediately condemn the mass raping of Israeli women and girls by Hamas. They waited 49 days and then they only did so after a viral condemnation calling them out for their double standards. Even then, the statement that they released was weak. They called for a rigorous investigation. Again, 
not believing the victims, and asking and insisting for further proof before taking a stance. They also failed to name the victims as Israeli women. Instead, they wrote those affected. In today's Torah portion, Dina is raped. Her family has just arrived to the city of Shechem, and the Torah tells us that she goes out to find the girls of the city and to play. The prince, Shechem, sees her. He wants her, and he takes her by force. Her father, Jacob, hears about what's happened, and he is silent. Two of her brothers, they go to battle for her. They know that their sister's honor has been robbed, and they know that this cannot be ignored. And so I say to you today, we cannot be silent. We cannot ignore the abuses that have been committed against our daughters and our sisters and our mothers and our neighbors and our friends in Israel. And we can't allow our organizations that exist in order to protect and defend the bodies and the lives and the humanity of women to be silent either. We all must speak out. We all must call out the hypocrisy and the double standards of the UN and all of the others who cry out for justice for the women and the girls in Gaza and Africa and Europe and, 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 yet are silent when it comes to the women of Israel. This Monday at the UN, there will be a special convening to address the issue of this silence. If you can go, go. And if you can't, watch. But no matter what you do, don't be silent. I conclude today with a midrash that was written by a colleague of mine, Rabbi Annie Lewis. She shared this just yesterday, and I share it with you. A midrash on Genesis 34, the story of Dina. Dina went out to see the daughters of the land. She found them motionless on desert roads. She found them inside out, parts missing. Dina went out to see the daughters of the land. She found them with no words. She found them with lips forever grimaced. She found them with no breath to give life to speech. She found them there and nobody believed her. Dina went out to see the daughters of the land. She found them contorted beyond anything recognizable and yet ever familiar. Their bodies made battlefields in someone else's name. Dina went out to see the daughters of the land. She found them with nails painted, colors and gemstones for a stillborn celebration. Dina went out to see the daughters of the land and she found them. And she washed them with her tears. She poured her love over them. She promised to hold them close, never to be silenced and never to be forgotten again. May we too make those promises, never to be silenced, never to be forgotten, promise to hold them close forever. Amen. I